Hello and welcome to Women on the Line, a national women's current affairs program providing a gender analysis of contemporary issues from Australia and internationally. I'm Giselle Hanna. On the program today, we speak with Arnie Carol Rowe, the grandmother of Ms Jew, a young Yamaji woman that died in police custody in South Headland under a controversial policy which involved paying off fines through jail time. The 22-year-old passed away on August the 4th, 2014, from pneumonia and septicemia, according to findings from a coronial inquest. An autopsy found her death was partly caused by complications from a previous rib fracture, which became infectious and spread to her lungs. The circumstances of her death, though, are really abhorrent and expose the blatant racism in Australia's criminal justice systems, health systems, housing systems, responses to domestic violence systems, you name it. In other words, the circumstances of her death epitomise the ongoingness of genocide against Aboriginal people in Australia. Miss Dew had complained she was feeling unwell and was taken to hospital three times while in custody. On her third hospital visit, Miss Dew appeared barely conscious. Shortly after her arrival, she went into cardiac arrest and died. Her death sparked protests across the country. Her family, backed by the Deaths in Custody Watch Committee, have been vocal in calling for answers about the circumstances surrounding her death. A coronial inquest began on the 23rd of November 2015, more than a year after her death. Scheduled to run for two weeks, the inquest heard from health witnesses and experts who shed light on the medical treatment Ms Dew received in the days prior to her death. Coroner Ross Foligliani delivered her findings to a packed courtroom in Perth on the 16th of December 2016 and said Ms Dew's death could have been prevented if she had been given antibiotics. And she also found the police acted unprofessionally and inhumanely. But while the coroner's finding provides some validation for the family and community of Ms Dew, the questions still remain. What happens to the police officers involved in the inhumane treatment? And what happens to the health professionals who fail to treat her preventable illness? One of the most staunch campaigners and advocates for justice for Ms Dew is her grandmother, Arnie Carol Rowe, and I had a chance to speak with her recently. Hello, my name's Carol Rowe, the, grand, the grandmother of Miss Dew, who died in death and custody in South Edelon Locker. I got six kids. I grew up, must be 11. Uh, 26 grannies and 11 greats. Well, from this incident, what happened, I am terrified. Where my grandchildren are, my children are, and are they all right? Or how are they going to go home to their parents, you know? They can't be trusted. But, you know, what happened to my granddaughter? It's so it's devastated for all of us. And any other Aboriginal kid out there, you know, we all share that same feeling. We all bleed the same. So I think all of us were pretty shocked when we saw the footage um, 
of the lockup and the way that she was being treated, I can't imagine what that would have been like for you to watch it. And of course, the bigger tra- the the bigger tragedy is that probably Ms. Jew isn't the only one to be treated like that by the police in in Western Australia. No, there's a lot of kids being ill-treated by the police all over WA. You know, no one's been charged. I know the coroner's allowed to charge anybody or anything, you know, or what? My granddaughter paid the biggest price. And what's going to happen to the... uh, Are we going to have a court, uh, what do you call it, criminal court or something, you know? Who's going to be charged for the murder of my granddaughter's death. Oh, they're all going to get a slap in the wrist what they've been doing for centuries, killing all the Aboriginals and just literally still going on. How do you How do you keep going every day? Like how do you um, manage the hurt and the, the, the pain so that you can keep going to fight for justice? Well, the pain is always there, always there, you know. I've got the other grandchildren I look after, four nannies, and um, my granddaughter, Miss Dew, her younger sister I look after. And I've got three other grannies, three other great-grannies I look after, and they keep me afloat, but the pain and the hurt is still there. I cannot be looking at the police. Everyone, all the kids are afraid. What happened over in Kalgoorlie to that little boy, Elijah? What happened to my granddaughter? What happened in uh, Fitzroy, Robin and all that? You know? And the top end, Darwin. You know? When is it going to stop? When is it going to stop? Because every time... They kill a black kid, they get promoted. That's what happened to my granddaughter. She she got murdered and police get promoted. That's why it won't stop. They won't stop killing because they get, you know, promoted. The higher ranks than that. So what do you, I mean, what kind of activities do you reckon will be effective to take the fight forward? Well, this is what it is. You know, who's going to... We stood up two years fighting for the justice of my granddaughter and fighting for the footage release. It's been shown worldwide, the footage. You know, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Well, tell you the truth, I wish we had a community of people who stood on that plate with me and with the rest of the deaths and custody all stand and pull together and fight. That's the only way we might get some result. All the Aboriginal race and Torres Strait Island race stand on that plate together and let's fight this system. I've got deaths and custody fighting for me, black and white, because they don't like it. And there's a lot of white people out there are doing the same, and I thank them a million. You know, everyone standing on that plate with me, I thank them. You know, 
You don't have to be black or white to stand up and fight for the justice. They seen the footage, what happened to my granddaughter? And she was dragged around like a dead kangaroo. That's what happened. And that we were, the world seen it. And what, are they going to be charged? We're going to still get any justice for my granddaughter? The way she was ill-treated? Kicked in the guts. Murdered. And, and the coroner handed that down, you know, and apologised for that. Where's the heart? Where's the heart? Why haven't they been charged? You know? And now we've got to do a civil court. You know? What's going to, how long is that going to take? How many years? we still got to fight for the justice of my granddaughter. How many years we have to wait on that? You know? It's just like they get away with everything. They're too trigger happy and too happy to kill black kids, as far as I'm concerned. I say, you know, we we do the voting for everybody, you know, make sure like Labor and the Liberal and everyone else get in the Greens and all get in the Parliament right way, you know, equal opportunities. But we have never had equal opportunities since the day we was born. From ancestors down and down, where's our equal opportunities? Nothing. And we don't vote for anybody, we get fined. What we what do we get out? The election's coming up. And we gotta vote. What do we get out of it? You know, what is it? We put them fellas on the pedestal and all that, vote for them. And what what uh, Aboriginal people get out of it? You tell me that one. Well, I mean, I agree with you, actually. I don't have an answer because I think you're right. There's there's nothing that you get out of it. They go across the communities and, you know, talk and say they're going to help them and do this and do that. They've been doing it for years and we've still got nothing off them. Now they're closing the communities down and they still want us to vote for them. So what? What? They can kick us in the gut, slap us in the face, and they still got that cheek to stand up there and want us to help them. They're closing the community down all around and where they shrink my streets and they get picked up for vacancy or drunken disorderly, or stealing, because they put it on them. They took their home away. You know, my people out there, when your children get arrested, go to court with them, go to jail with them, because you don't know if your kid's going to walk out. Don't sing me an anthem, because you don't know the words. Words are hard to remember. When they mean nothing at all To the hearts who are still waiting For their voice to be heard Don't sing me your anthem When your anthem's absurd And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. That was Arnie Carroll-Rowe, the grandmother of Ms Dew, a 22-year-old Yamaji woman that died in South Headland Police lockup. 
her death was preventable, the police acted inhumanely and unprofessionally. Next up, Yaraman Kanal. Yaraman spoke at the recent Invasion Day rally in Melbourne, Australia on the 26th of January. That date marks the anniversary of the 1788 arrival of the First Fleet, the raising of the flag of Great Britain by Governor Arthur Phillip, the invasion of Australia and the start of genocide against the original owners of this land. This year saw massive Invasion Day protest rallies across the country. It was pretty inspiring being out on the streets with Indigenous and non-Indigenous comrades. In Melbourne, some 10,000 people came out and blocked city streets. At this demo, Yarraman spoke and here's her address to the crowd. Before I begin, I'd like to pay my respects to and remember the people who've cared for the land that we stand on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations. I acknowledge that this land is sovereign, sacred and black land. I acknowledge and affirm that this land was never once ceded or given up. This land was stolen. We are standing, living and working on stolen land. Its history is bloody and violent. Its history is sad and devastating. It is genocidal history. Remember this today especially and remember it always. I stand before you as a proud Barada, Bana and Kababara woman from central Queensland. I'm a long way from my home and people. I'm also standing on land that isn't mine and I too benefit from the colonisation and invasion that happened here as well. And it's important that we acknowledge that. As I stand before you today, I feel hurt and I feel pain. My heart is heavy. As black people, we are always living through pain. It's not something that we can ever escape. But today especially is a tough one for us. We come together to find comfort, to ease our sorrows and to affirm our place in this settler colonial state. We come together today like we always do to set the record straight because there's no pride in genocide. What happened here is not something that we can get over. It's not something that, you know, we can push to the back of our minds. We're constantly re reliving genocide. We're living through genocide right now. Um, communities are being pushed out of their homelands. They're being forced to live in poverty, you know, in poverty that is something that we don't acknowledge in Australia. We think that we're a first world country, um, that we treat our citizens right, um, yet there's people here living in third world conditions um, with no access to clean water, no access to Medicare services, no access to everything that we here in Melbourne may take for granted. And that's not okay. Um, 
we can't just keep pushing things to the side anymore. We can't keep ignoring this. And everyone here, it's good that you're here, but I'm, I'm not going to congratulate you either for, you know, being here. It's something that should be the standard. It's something that be, should be the bare minimum. Um, on January 26, I can never think lightly on the fact that I'm not able to speak my language or practice my culture because of invasion. Um, my countries, I come from three tribes, um, and what is left of my languages and cultures is um, measly bits of scientific papers and anthropological research that as a normal, um, you know, poor university student, I'm not able to access because I'm not in those spaces to be able to reclaim my language and culture. Um, I'm currently trying to reclaim what I can, um, but being an Indigenous person, it's hard to do that when you have so many barriers up against you. It's so hard to reclaim something that should be rightfully yours, but something that was taken and denied to you for so long. Um, we've been living through 200 plus years of anti-blackness, settler colonial racism, um, and that's not okay. That's not okay. You know, we think that we're a country that is welcome and opening, and today is a day that we can affirm that the most. We can say that, no, this is not the reality, you know. We can't keep ignoring it. It is wrong. My family, for example, um, to bring it a bit personal, in hopes that some maybe white people might feel a bit of sympathy, might step up their game a little bit. Um, my grandmother was forced to work on the cotton plantations in her day. Um, she was a proud woman. She was a proud Aboriginal woman. Um, but she was forced to work on the plantation. She was forced to work in the sun. And being in central Queensland, it's a very hot, it's a very humid environment. Um, and we often think that, you know, um, slavery didn't happen here. Slavery was absolutely a thing, especially in North, um, New South Wales and Queensland. Um, Aboriginal people all over Australia were just used as, you know, labour for white people. It's slavery. That's, it's, you know, putting it plain and simple. Um, but despite this, she was also one of the first women in Queensland to receive her nursing licence. So despite all that, you know, we've experienced... Our people are still strong and we're still here and we can still achieve anything and reach for the stars. And I think a lot of my strength that I get, I get from my grandmother because I'm so proud to be her granddaughter. I'm so proud to be here telling her stories, telling my people's stories, not on country, but I hope to get back there one day. Um, and not too many generations back, and this is, you know, exact same story for so many Aboriginal people. We hear of stories from our grandmas and grandpas of genocide, of you know people experiencing um, massacres and just getting out with their lives. You know there were two kids from my long back family who had just escaped, but everyone else from their community, everyone else from their tribe, didn't escape. Um, and there's written documents about that, but we don't we don't look at that. Shame, shame. We don't look at the genocide. You know it's something that it happened. No pride in genocide. Absolutely. This is the reality of Invasion Day. And I know that for some white people here, for some non-Indigenous people of colour as well, that it might seem that we're hyping it up too much. It might seem that we're, you know, being a bit too angry. But fuck that. Fuck being, you know, nice. Fuck being someone who likes to appease white people. You know, that's not what we're here for. You know, if you're expecting us to, you know, nicely educate you and to sugarcoat you know, everything that you want to learn about, that's, you shouldn't be here. You should go and educate yourself. You should reevaluate what you're thinking about, reevaluate re why you're here, and for the reasons that you want to learn. Because sugarcoating it, it's just, 
it's not going to cut the job. It's not going to do it. You know, we are here to tell the true history of this continent. We are here to tell the true history of colonization and invasion. And if you can't handle the fact that we speak about genocide and we speak about, you know, the brutal reality that is here, that is now, that has always been 200 plus years of white invasion and settlement, then why? What are you doing? What, what are you? Why? Um, it is uncomfortable, and I can acknowledge that it is violent. And it's awful, but it's a reality that we have to face. It's a reality that we have to accept. Not accept, I guess, but confront. Because it's important. It's a part of our history. And if we don't confront our history, if we don't confront something that has happened, we are just ignoring it. And we're just re repeating the same mistakes over and over again. We are mourning our ancestors who resisted. We are mourning those who were massacred. We were mourning the women who were forced to give up their babies, to cease passing on language and culture, to be split up, you know. When we were sent to the missions and reserves, we were told that we couldn't have any outside contact with our family. You know, we were told that we had to give up our Aboriginality, forget that we ever existed on this continent for 60,000 plus years and had so many languages and cultures that today cease to exist. Um, we have always been living under, a, you know, a patronizing patriarchal rule and we need to acknowledge that. We mourn those forced onto reserves and missions, those forced into shuttle slavery. We are mourning children stolen from their families, children who suffered abuse in those institutions and dormitories, children who today as adults, they still can't reconcile what they've experienced. It's something that is ongoing for them and that is intergenerational trauma. That's something that for 200 plus years we have been contending with. It's something that is always in the back of our minds. And when you tell us to get over it, it's. It's not as simple as that. I have anxiety and people, when people tell me, you know, like, get over it, oh yeah, cool, my anxiety is cured because I, I stopped thinking about it. It doesn't work like that. Um, it's something that we are always going through. We are reliving trauma. We are told that our indigeneity was something to be ashamed and we are still told that and that's not okay. We are beautiful black, beautiful people. And that's why we're here today, but we're also here to affirm our place in this world. We're also here to affirm that we matter and that black lives matter. We mourn the languages and cultures that cease to exist. We mourn the sacred sites lost, the stories lost. And we mourn our histories. We mourn, I guess, what could have been, what was there and something that we can never reclaim. But now is the time to reclaim that. Now is the time to step up and say enough is enough. We've been saying it for a long time, but you've got to listen to us now because we're not going to shut up. We're always going to be here. Thank you. That was Yaraman Kanol, Aboriginal activist and speaker at this year's Melbourne Invasion Day rally. And before her, Arnie Carroll Rowe, grandmother of Ms Dew, who died in police custody in South Headland, Western Australia. And that's all we have time for today. Women on the Line is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at womenontheline at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. 
If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au, and that's the digit three, not spelt out in letters. Go to the Women on the Line page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I look forward to your company again next week. Original day.